0: You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. We've been in this series um, entitled Kingdom Culture, in which we've looked at the ways of this kingdom that Jesus um, talks about throughout the Gospels, this upside-down kingdom, this way. You know, the early church... Um, in the book of Acts, there's two times where they're called Christians. And I want you to know that if, if someone calls you a Christian and notices that you're a Christian, that is a high honor. In the, in, the, in the book of Acts, that was a derogatory term, but it means little Christs, little Christ. It doesn't mean that you're a God in yourself, but people can see Jesus in you. So when someone says that, and that person must be a Christian, that, take that as a high compliment. But before they were called Christians, they were, were called followers of the way. Followers of the way, and that's a capital W as in Jesus, the way. But Jesus also introduces this new way of living, this new way of life, this new way of perceiving and viewing the world, this upside-down kingdom. When the world says that, you know, you need, to be, you need to look out for yourself, you need to maybe step over people to get, get somewhere else, Jesus says, take up your cross, die to yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He says the, the first will be last, the last will be first. And he actually didn't just talk about it. He actually showed us the way. He said Christ did not come to serve, uh, but to be, to be served, but to serve and give his life for many. And so Jesus modeled this life that you and I were meant to live. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the way of discipleship, the way of making disciples um, When we talk about the way that Jesus lives, often we talk about the things that he said or the miracles that he did, the faith that he had, the relationship with the Lord that he had, but this morning I wanna focus on Jesus' relationships with those around him, how he led them, how he led them into greater relationship with the Father, how he showed him who he was, not by just the words that he said, but the, the things that he did and how he lived his life. You know, Jesus says, that he never did anything that he didn't see the Father doing. He said, I only do what the Father does, what I see the Father doing. And so that doesn't mean that Jesus would wait around and, 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 and say, all right, what God, what is God doing right now? What is the Father doing right now? But he was so closely um, in relationship with the Father that he knew him so well. He knew his character. He knew what he would do in certain situations. It would be like, <clears throat> For you and I, it'd be like if you find yourself in a difficult situation. And I, I've, I've done this where I found myself in a situation. I think, what would my dad do right now? <laughs> what would my what would my dad say right now? What would he think? Because I know my dad. I know how he would respond to many situations in this world. Pa, um, Randy Hansen, who teaches our Healing the Sick class, he wrote a book, and now he teaches this class called Healing the Sick. He uses this analogy. That I found was just so perfect. He said there's like this: this this father and this son, and every time it snows, um, more than it snowed today, every time that it snows, he said the son would watch his his father go outside and and shovel the walk and shovel the driveway. Every single time, it would be the first thing that he would do um, after it would snow, is he'd get out and he'd shovel the driveway. It's just what he knew his father was gonna do. Well, then. One day, his father was at work. He had to go to work early or something like that, and it snowed, and he said, I know what my dad would do right now. He would shovel the walk, and he would shovel the driveway, so the son would go do what he knew the father would do in that situation, which is shovel the walk. So that means that Jesus introduces this way to us in which we live in such intimacy with the father that we know his character we know what, how he would respond to situations, what he wants to do, and it's not saying that we are gods and we never get it wrong. That's not it at all. We are learning. But it means that if we see someone in need, we say the Father would want me to help. If we see somebody sick, we don't need to wait for a word from the Lord to pray for them to heal because we know that the Father wants to make them well. Now, there are times where you'll be minding your own business at the grocery store and the Holy Spirit will will prompt your heart to go pray for someone for healing and you should go do that immediately. But we don't necessarily need a word from the Lord to know that people need to get saved, right? And so if somebody has a desperate need in their life and they come to you, we should offer them the answer, which is Jesus. Which is Jesus. And so Jesus introduces us this way and throughout this whole series, we've been talking about culture. This, this is the way we do things, who we are as a family. Every, every uh, society has a culture. Families have a culture. You have a, a culture for your personal life. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the way of disciples. So if you um, are in John chapter 1, <clears throat> it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. But this is the portion of Scripture when when Jesus calls his first two disciples, Andrew and John, the author of this book. In my studies this week, I learned that the word, the name Andrew, this is just, this is nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but the name Andrew means manly. So for Pastor Drew, you know that it's more than just his manliness, but it's like the, the very name that has been bestowed upon him just invokes manliness, so... Every time you say his name, you're just prophesying manliness over him. What I love about when we watch the, the ways of Jesus is it's not overly complicated. And like I said before, Jesus models the life that you and I were meant to live. So Jesus is so utterly intentional with each encounter that he has, with each person that he, with each precious soul he sees past the surface and he sees deeper in their deeper need. So in verse 35 of, of chapter one, we're just gonna work our way slowly through the scripture this morning. In verse 35, it says this, the next day, John was there again with his two disciples and we saw Jesus passing by. He said, look, the Lamb of God. So the day before, John had, the John the Baptist there's a lot of Johns going on here. But John the Baptist is a baptized Jesus, declares Jesus as the Messiah, the one whom he had been talking about all these, the, all, these, all these days, the one that he's been preparing the way for. And then the next day he sees him again. He said, look, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so then two of John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, in verse 37, says, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, "What do you want?" And they said, "Rabbi," which means teacher. Where are you staying? So, John, I love the the obedience of these these men. I love how immediate this this moment is and there's not any vacillating. You'll see throughout the Gospels that there are many people that Jesus calls to himself. There are many people who say, I want to follow you, Jesus. But then they have a lot of excuses. And they're seemingly really good excuses, but none of them are good enough. But these men immediately, Andrew and John, they immediately start following Jesus. And Jesus asks asks this very interesting question. What do you want? And it's not what do you want? What? what do you, what's up? What do you need? That's not the question that he's asking. In other versions, it says, what are you seeking? He doesn't say, who do you want? Who are you seeking? But he's saying, what? And when it comes to Jesus, the who is included in the what. But he says, what do you want? And this is a question that I have seen the Lord ask people, over and over and over again, time and time again. He's asked me this in my own life. Tony, what do you want? What are the desires of your heart? What are the things that go down deep into your soul that you long for, that you desire? That's what he's asking. What are you seeking? What do you you want? What do you really want? Jesus loves to ask this question. He asks this question many times throughout the Gospels. There's a story in Mark chapter 10 where he asked a blind man, Blind Bartimaeus, who's calling out to Jesus and annoying everyone. And finally Jesus says, you, come. And blind Bartimaeus comes. And Jesus asks him this question, which seems so silly. He's a blind man, and Jesus is this man known for healing people. And Jesus says, what can I do for you? (laughs) What do you want? And he goes, well, I would like to see. (laughs) That's what I would like. And Jesus says, great, and heals him. But like, Jesus knew just the same way that you and I know that there's more going on below the surface. And he's asking, what do we really, really want? And I've asked people this question often. If you could ask Jesus for one thing and you know that he would do it, what would you ask him? And I'm I'm just so amazed. It's a very revealing thing, which is the same question, question here. It's this, it's this invitation to investigate this invitation to come and, and and get more. It's a very revealing question. What do you really want? I remember one day I was pr- one time I was praying, uh, talking to a man in the middle of the street, and I asked him that question. If you could ask Jesus for one thing, and you know that He would do it, what would you ask Him for? And you know He didn't say, "I want I want a new car, I want a nice house, I want a lot of money, I want a really pretty girlfriend." All those things are fine, but that's not what He really wanted. There, weeping in the street, he said, I want to start over. (laughs) I want to start over. And that day, right there in the middle of the street, he gave his life to Jesus. What do you want? I mean, ask yourself this question. What do you want? That's why the psalmist can say emphatically, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't mean we serve Jesus and we get everything we want. It's an investment strategy. It means those deep things, those d- deep desires of your heart. And I love their answer. And when you read this answer on service level, it, it, it's, it, it feels like they're kind of caught off guard by this question. Like you he, say, what do you want? And they're like, well, uh, where do you live? <laughs> Where's your house? <laughs> but in reality, their answer is really quite a beautiful one. Because it's saying, Jesus, wherever you are, that's where I want to be. Wherever you go, that's where I want to be. And Jesus answers in verse 39. He says, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. This is this beautiful invitation that Jesus gives to come. Come, it's this—the this, come and see way of life that he invites us to investigate, to discover for ourselves. Come, and you know what? <clears throat> Many scholars believe that Jesus was was living in a in a tent, or perhaps a bush that he had kind of fashioned into some sort of living space. Right? So Jesus didn't have this nice, really nice house, a nice car, or anything like that. He said, come, you can come to my house. It's a tent, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's a rock where I'm going to lay my head on. Jesus, and I'm going to take a little side note. It's a beautiful thing of of hospitality that is one of the ways of the kingdom, in which Jesus here uh, shows us that there is no excuse to not show hospitality. It is a way of the kingdom. Jesus is living in a bush, right? Nobody here is living in a bush, I don't think, if you are, come talk to me, and we will we'll help you. But there was no excuse. Jesus invited him, invited them, not just into his house, but into his life. And said, let me show you the way that I live. See, a disciple is not someone who just follows and who just learns, but also does. And so Jesus here invites them into his life. When we moved here, we planted a kyle at the University of Iowa over in Iowa City. I don't know if you've heard of that place. Um, But we were were there for some time. And uh, Our second year, we were having, um, just to get together at our house for all the students, we were having a fire and um, food and all that good stuff, and just having people into our home. And that's just one of the things that Kayla and I love to do, is just have people into our home. Well, a student named Dustin brought... Um, uh, a a guy that he had met in the parking garage that morning and said, hey, do you want to come to this thing with me tonight? (laughs) And that student's name was Dijon, and Dijon came with him and um, came to our house and just was hanging out. There's a bunch of students there, and we were hanging out and having fun. And just so happened, I found myself sitting at the fire, and it was just me and Dijon, and um, everybody else was off doing other stuff, and we were just sitting there talking, and he started asking me about my story, asking me about my life, and <clears throat> for those of you who know, who know my story, um, sometimes in my head when somebody asks me my story, I say, do I want to let him off the hook and give him a really generic answer, or am I going to go for the throat here? <laughs> I'm just going to let him have it. Um, well, I went for the throat at that time, and I said, man, I started telling about my life, the brokenness of, of life growing up, a mother who committed suicide, and uh, my life just riddled with drug addiction and womanizing and all this just garbage of the world until I was 20 years old. I had a radical encounter with Jesus and he completely changed my life. And um, then I began to ask him about his life. And he began to tell me about his life growing up. He grew up without a dad, uh, really low income family. He's the first one in his family to go to college. And uh, felt a lot of pressure on his life. Didn't really have anyone uh, help, any leadership in his life, anyone to kind of show him the way. And we began to just talk and talk. And I'll never forget this moment where he looked across the fire after a moment of silence, and he just said, Tony, do you think I could be your friend? (laughs) Do you think I could be your friend? And I said, Deshaun, I would love to be your friend. I would love to be, would you be my friend? And that began this beautiful relationship together where we would spend lots of time and we'd have him over I remember the first time I made steak for him that was something I like to do for people and I asked him the question I ask everybody how do you like your steak done and he said well done and I just so you know if you come to my house and you have steak you can tell me what how, how you like it and I'm gonna make it medium rare that's just how I make it My wife hates it when I do that. She's like, well, what if they don't like it? I'm like, well, that's just how it is. So I can't, I literally can't leave it on for longer than that. And so I gave him the steak and he cut into it and, you know, a little pink in there and he goes, uh, do you have any ketchup? And I said, no, I don't have any ketchup just try it, just please just try it, just try it. And he, I remember he took one bite and, and he ate it. So he said, this is the best thing that I have ever eaten in my life. And I said, I'm, showing, I'm trying to show you the ways of the kingdom. <laughs> but it began this friendship and we just began to spend time with each other. I got to know his family, his mom and um, we had lo- lots of conversations and he was just really hungry for the things of the Lord. But he had this, in his life, he was always trying to strive for more and trying to really hard on his own to do, to measure up for a God. And one day he came to me and he said, Tony, I, I had this dream and I, I've had it several times and I don't know what it is. And I'm sitting in this restaurant and I'm looking at this, this, this menu. And he said, I hear this voice that says, it's not about the menu. It's about the venue. And he said, I don't know what it means. And in that moment, the Lord put it in my heart exactly what it means. It said, I said, the Lord is telling you, it's not about what you have to offer him. It's not about the menu. It's not about all these different things that you can give to God. It's about the venue. It's about the atmosphere and culture of your heart that says, I'm hungry for whatever you want from me, God. And throughout this relationship that him and I cultivated over those many years, he began to learn what it was to be a man of God, what it was to see leadership in the home. People love someone who didn't seem worthy of being loved. And this is the way of, of Christ, that he says, come and see, come and see. Philip learned this really quickly in the, in the verses to follow and down in verse 43. Nathanael comes, or Philip finds Jesus, he comes to Nathanael and he says, we have found the Messiah. Nathanael says, can anything good come out of Nazareth, this little farming town? Philip says the same thing that Jesus says several times. Why don't you come and see? You know, you don't have to, you're, never, you're not going to argue someone into heaven. I say it time and time again. My role is to bring people to Jesus and give them an opportunity to experience the power and presence of Jesus. An encounter with him will change any life. So for these men, it was a transformative day. Andrew, in verse 40, it says that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. When you become a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, your priorities shift. They change. Notice he says, the fir- it says the first thing Andrew did, the first thing, he said, I've got to tell my brother. I've got to tell my brother. We have found him. And that word found um, relates back to verse, when they uh, asked the question, where are you staying? That word found, a Greek is horosco, It means to discover. It, it, the, the analogy is like a treasure hunter, one who finds that precious treasure that they're, they've been looking for for so long. They have finally found this Messiah. And he didn't just say, hey, we found him. He said, let me bring you to him. It's like a couple years ago when Aldi started getting big, my wife was proselytizing everyone for Aldi. She's like, you gotta, she was an Aldi evangelist. She's like, you gotta, you gotta check out Aldi. Check out Aldi. I'll bring you there. I'd love to bring you to Aldi. I'll show you all the aisles. It's a beautiful, magical place. All you need is a quarter, right? (laughs) but honestly, some of us love the things of this world and Aldi or whatever it is more than Jesus. That's not an indictment against my wife. She loves Jesus. And, um, but, man, our priority is not to be intentional. When we're out, when we're, when we're at home, when, when we're, we should be about our father's business, our priority should be Jesus, that I can help someone experience the power of God, the life-giving power and freedom of God, And I'm not talking about just like an emotional experience that makes someone cry, but the power of God and encounter with the living Jesus. Think about, uh, Pastor Drew was telling me about his life group and they were talking, I think last week, about someone who had brought you to Jesus. The people in your life who had been instrumental in you coming to know Jesus. And for most of us, there were people in our lives that were either praying for us, or took us by the hand, or dragged us, and brought us to Jesus, who said, come and see. Just come and see. Just come and see. Then Jesus looked at him, and he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated to Peter. The name Simon means listening or hearing, but the name Peter means rock. And if you read the Gospels, so a rock is represent, represents stability and consistency. And if you read the Gospels and you read about Peter, that is one thing you do not see, is stability and consistency. He's insecure. He's all over the place. He's selfish. He's a coward. He is not stable. He is not a man that you would pick in the first in line to be like that's the guy. That's one of the the the, the big 12 that's going to that's going to turn this world upside down. But Jesus saw through the eyes of the father and saw the infinite potential. And you know it's really amazing every time he he said Peter he was essentially prophesying over him saying you are Stable. You are constant. He was aligning himself with, he was aligning Peter with the narrative of heaven. Do you know God has amazing thoughts for your life? He has amazing purposes for your life. So I saw in 139, it says that the Lord's thoughts towards us are precious and they number more than the sand, more than the sand. Think about one little beach. Think of just a little sandbox and how many grains of sand are in one little sandbox. Now think about all the sand on this planet and God's thoughts towards you number more than that. So don't you want to know what God has to say about your life? I do. Don't you want to know what God has to say about the people in your life? Don't you wish that you could see people in your life the way that God saw them? And that is what we watch Jesus do time and time and time again. Levi, who would be Matthew, the tax collector, he didn't see this man who was robbing his own people. He saw a man who would preach the gospel in Greece and give his life for it. A great leader in the church. And time and time again, Jesus speaks to potential. This is where you could go. This is where you could be submitted to God. And it's the same thing that he speaks over each one of us. team, you can come back, but, you know, when I gave my heart to the Lord, it was a long process for me. Um, it wasn't like a switch flipped, and I just was all of a sudden all better again. Um, there were some things that broke right away in my life, and other things that, a slow process of, of of God just transforming me, those small incremental changes. And one of those things that was real difficult for, difficult for me, which was to see myself the way that the Lord saw me. And so there was this constant dialogue in my head. Tony, you're a loser. Tony, you're a failure. Tony, you're a disappointment. You should just give this whole thing up. You're going to disappoint your family. You're going to let them all down. You're getting their hopes up by you serving Jesus. You might as well just throw in the towel now, because you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. And I can remember, I can remember, um, one day I was at church and our pastor, college pastor, Pastor Brad said, Tony, would you want to come, come hang out with me, come to my office and just want to get to know you. And I was like, man, why, why me? (laughs) Like, did I do something wrong? I know I probably smoked too close to the building or something, you know, but he said, no, I just want to get to know you. And so I was like, okay, and I was really freaked out. I didn't know what to do. And I remember going in, in his office and sitting on the couch, and later I realized that there, his, his couch, they called the crying couch. And there's like this Holy Spirit anointing on that couch that no matter what happened and what was going on in your life, you sit down on that couch, you just start crying and telling your deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> All he would have to ask you is, so what's going on? Tell me about your life. And you just start pouring it all out. And I found myself sitting there on that couch pouring out my life. The words are coming out, and I'm trying to grab them and put them back in. I don't want to. Sharing things that I never shared with anybody, the deep places of my heart, those thoughts that constantly went through my head, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I'm a disappointment. These sins in my life and that these things that I had done, the shame of the past, just begin to pour all these things out. And you know, there's something called like a vulnerability hangover <laughs> where you, you're you're vulnerable and you're transparent, and then afterwards you're like, Why did I do that? Oh no, that was a huge mistake. And I remember let, the words all came out, and I'm just a huge snotty mess, and I'm like afraid to look up. And I just was so full of shame. And I remember looking up, expecting to see him with some maybe like trite answer about here's a one, two, three step to a better you. Or here, read this book. Or it'll get better. Don't worry, you'll be okay. But instead, this man looked across at me, tears streaming down his face. Said Tony, you're not a loser. You're not a failure. You're gonna make it and I'm gonna walk with you I'm not gonna walk in front of you I'm gonna walk next to you and I'm proud to walk next to you and that began a friendship and he began to invite me into his life I used to go over to his house all the time and just spend time with him and his family he uh, was a rancher and a farmer in another life, and so they still had animals around, and there's pictures somewhere floating around the universe of Drew and I chasing geese around, trying to catch them. That's pretty funny. Um, But he just invited us into his life, and he shared with me later. He said, Tony, about a year before that, he's like, you probably don't even remember this. He was at the college, and my band was playing a show that night at the college. It's before I knew Jesus. And I was drunk and I was high. And he was coming out of Chi Alpha. It just ended. And I was just coming in from the car. And he saw me. Pastor Brad saw me. And he had known me from when I was a kid. And he said, Tony, it's so good to see you. And it took me a little while to put together who he was. And then he came up to me and he gave me such a big hug. And he said, in that moment, the Lord told him, this man is gonna, this young man is gonna be a, be a big part of your life in ministry. And in that moment, I'm drunk, I'm high. And so he began to pray with me. A year later, I'm on his couch pouring out my heart before him. Shortly after that, I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God just rocks my life, frees me from all this junk, frees me from sin and addictions, all this just junk, and transforms my life, calls me into ministry. And I remember there was an opportunity to be an intern. There was an, he was starting an internship, but there was only one opening. And there was a guy uh, who was a, the, the Kafka president at that time. And he wanted to do that internship. And I, in my heart, I, I wanted to do that internship really badly. And, um, but I looked at this other guy, and I thought, man, he is everything that I am not. He's everything that I am not. He loves Jesus. He's lived this great life. Man, he, he's well articulated, all these different things. And man, I'm really rough around the edges. So he was going to do this internship. And turned out uh, another opportunity arose. And he kind of bailed. And I remember talking to Brad. And I said, Brad, I know. I know I'm not Travis. But I'm willing. <laughs> I'm not much. But I'm willing. And he saw me with the eyes of Jesus, that there was more to me than my sin, more to me than my shame, more to me than my past or my origin story. The eyes of Christ, which speaks a better word, which prophesies to the future that aligns itself with the narrative of heaven over your life. That says you were made for more than this. Later I would go on staff with Caiapha and She began this amazing relationship. That's why a couple weekends ago I was there speaking at the conference, but this is the way of discipleship. It's not difficult. It's not complicated. It can be difficult. People aren't always easy. But it's as simple as inviting someone into your life, inviting them into your house, sharing a meal with them, showing the way of your life and who you are and pouring out everything you got into them. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. So that's what we are to do, amen? Would you stand across this place? Amen. I am going to pray for you this morning. Uh, we can bow our heads across this place. I'm going to ask one question this morning, and then I... If, worship, I felt very strongly. I had a word for somebody here today. Um, In a gathering like this, there's more likely than not um, someone here that doesn't have their life right with the Lord or has never given their life to the Lord, and I want to give an opportunity. I always want to give an opportunity for that. So I'm going to ask you this morning, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in response to that, and it's not to embarrass you or call you out or make you do anything weird. I just want to pray for you, and I want to know who I'm praying for. So if you're here this morning, and you You'd be honest, you'd say, I'm I'm not where I need to be with, with with God. I don't have a relationship with him, or maybe you had one in the past, but it's grown cold and stagnant. And you, you want to get your life right with Jesus today. If that's you, would you just put a hand up across this place? I wanna I wanna pray for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? honesty. You can put your hands down. If you're uh, watching online and there's going to be a number that pops up at the bottom of the screen, text that number if you're giving your life to Jesus. We want to partner with you. But whether you're here or whether you're at home or online, just agree with me as I pray. God's not looking for the perfect formula of words. He's looking for your life and for your heart. And so just agree with me as I pray. Jesus, I recognize today that I am far away from you. I'm not where I need to be. There's sin in my life. There's shame in my life. There's all this junk. And God, I I need a Savior. But you already knew that. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy, your patience with us. So right now, I give my life to you, Jesus, every single part of who I am my past, my present, and my future, all the dark and and, and dusty areas of my heart, I give it all to you, Jesus. My trophies, I give it all to you. My best and my worst and everything in between. My whole life to you. And I just receive that gift of salvation that comes only through the blood of Jesus. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you just come upon these friends with power and might in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, we just repent of any sin, anything that we're pursuing apart from you. We just now, we pursue you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, this morning, we just, we want to be in agreement with you, with what you're doing. We want to come into alignment with, with heaven. We want to see people the way that you see them. We want to be about the Father's business. We want to love people like you love them. We want to know the truth. And we want to help people see it so they can be free. Help us to be a people that are intentional with our lives. People who are are looking for the lost sheep, looking for the one. Because God, you've never lost sight of them. And for those in this room right now who are just even as I'm praying right now, they're they're excusing themselves or they're saying these certain things in their life disqualify them. Lord, we just come into alignment with what you're saying over their life right now in Jesus' name. That you're speaking to their potential. You're pulling out, you're pulling out the gold in their life. You're saying, This is who I've designed you to be. And so we just submit ourselves wholly to you, God. Holy to you and no one else, nothing else but you. And we say, have your way in our hearts and in our lives today in Jesus' name. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to be like little Christs running around. That everything we put our hand to would have favor upon it. Everything we put our hand to would receive healing and restoration in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. We can keep our our heads bowed for a moment. Um, In worship, I just felt like there was somebody here today that... Um, has been having a really difficult time at work and I know that's not a word from the Lord uh, because that could be a lot of us but it doesn't relate to the work that you do or um, the the type of work that you're doing or anything like that but you're constantly feeling overlooked unappreciated Um, other people are getting credit for your ideas or for your work And it's growing frustration. And you're beginning to lose hope in this way, like this way that Jesus says, this way of honor, this way of love. And you're saying, this isn't really getting me anywhere. I should just do, I should just go along with the way of the world. And and specifically this week, you were thinking those thoughts to yourself. This isn't even worth it. I've been doing the right thing and I'm tired of doing the right thing. And I want you to know the Lord is saying this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but the Lord is saying, do not grow weary in doing good. For in due time, you'll reap a harvest. You will reap a harvest. And he's asking you this question, who are you living for? Who are you working for? He sees it all. He sees it all. He sees it all. You're getting up and you're going down. Everything in between, he sees it all you who have been faithful with little will be given much so lord we just pray that right now in jesus name i pray for persistence consistency perseverance in jesus name we wouldn't grow weary in doing what's good we'd be faithful in the small things when no one is looking we remember that everything that we do we do it as unto jesus we do it as unto jesus and we do it all for you lord Whether the world gives us credit, whether the world pats us on the back, gives us a promotion, gives us a raise, we do it all for you, Jesus. The one who holds all things together. In Jesus' name. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.